Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy. You don't have to scoop to anyone. Right. Even it, your mom, you know, and she's <laughs> in the top eight, and you're going to hop around, man. So we're going... <laughs> we moved into the balls deep portion of the <laughs> There's some things you just can't find, but... Like, like Mex- Mexican food, up. you can't buy Mexican food. <laughs> <laughs> this is the terrible radio right now. <laughs> Welcome to Leaving a Legacy. This is episode 44, and uh, this is Matthew Matrixter, or Adrian. Um, and it looks like I'm fucking back this week anyway. And I'm also joined by two very special individuals. We got Jerry Me. And what's going on? Welcome back, buddy. Yeah, thank you. And Pat Ugolo. What's going on, man? Thank God you're back. It was rough. It was just me and Jerry, man. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm not talking to the bus, man. I just don't have a whole lot to offer. I can't keep my head myself. Are you kidding me? <laughs> nah, Pat, you fucking offer a lot, bud. Um, I don't even know if... See, now I'm afraid to mention it because it's all recorded and shit, but do you guys even... Did you even... I know Jerry didn't, but... Did you happen to even check out the show notes? I did, yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I put something in the show notes. Um, anyway, yeah. So that was I, I. I fucked around with the little with some image editing too when I was doing the graphic. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so back again. Yeah, I didn't even get to tell you guys because I fucking I missed you last week. Um, yeah, fucking crazy too. How, would you guys do anything this week? How was your How was your magic experiences? Uh, pretty good. You want to go first, Pat? Yeah, sure. Um, so we I went up to TE for the weekend uh, on Sunday. Oh yeah, I did see you there. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and um, I was playing. I don't want to call it a brew. I was testing out one of the new cars from Origins. Um, Days Undoing. You were brewing with it. Yeah, yeah. It's a little, it's a little three mana sorcery. Um, you know, it's the draw seven uh, for both play. You know, shuffle your graveyard, shuffle your hand in, draw seven new cards, end your turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tried that out. I pulled out my four dig through times, and I pulled out my two forked bolts. Mm-hmm. And so I ran three days undoing, and then I added three vapor snag because I've seen that some Delver lists will run that, and I I haven't played that. So I threw the- <laughs> on yeah. the off chance you play against Dark Depths and they get a Merit Liege token that actually yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like so I figured it had some 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 play there right so. Anyway, um, my tournament did not go well. Um, I played three rounds. I left after three rounds. So I'd go home and uh, hang out with the wife and kids. Um, but in the three rounds, I did not pick up a single game. I went 0-6 uh, in games that day. Mm. Um, yeah, it was it was rough. And uh, and I will attribute it. Um, I've been playing a very um, uh, vanilla Delver Delver list. Like basically all four ofs. Nothing really. Nothing really spicy. Um, you know, the only split I did that wasn't four ofs was like. Two chain lightning, two forked bolt. Right? So, round one, I play against Grixis Delver. Um, I cast Days Undoing game one, and he was at he was at three. Um, so I basically played out my hand. I have uh, four lands up. Um, so I cast Days Undoing at the end of my turn. Um, I draw a new seven, and in it I have a lightning bolt, and I actually have. Um, uh, Force of Will backup as well. So I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm gonna I'm gonna bolt him on his upkeep. And uh, and I'll I'll take the game there. So I go to bolt him on his upkeep. Uh, he dazes me, which I expected him to have some kind of counter backup because it's Grixis Delver. 
Um, I force of will, and then he force of wills back, and then I lose the game. <laughs> um, so, uh, typical Delver mirror. <laughs> yeah, it was a little rough. It was a little rough. So, so I'm thinking, all right, so that's you know that's game one. Game two, he just kind of had the beat down on me. I couldn't really get much going. Um, so move on to round two. I was playing, um, I think it was Rug Delver. He had, like, Tarmogoyf, uh, Force of Wills, Spell Pierces, Fluster Storms. Uh, he was a nice guy. He, had, he was one who had the, the really uh, kind of expansive collection there, Jerry. I know you were kind of looking through some of his stuff. Yeah, the box to trade, but he didn't want you to go through it. Yeah, yeah. He was playing with my iPad. He had, like, someone's arm in there or something. Like, <laughs> Well, no, I mean, I, I could see where he was coming from because I, sh- I looked at his list, and to be fair, he was carrying around the value of a used sedan, <laughs> a recently used sedan. Yeah, in he, a was, car- he was hugging that box pretty hard, so I don't blame him for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually just... thought, I thought that having it on an iPad, like in a spreadsheet form, was pretty slick, so I actually kind of respect that. But, well, the um, thing, I had done that in the past myself for something like it, and it yep. just was so inconvenient to trade. Like, like people, they're not going to want to go through, like, uh, a spreadsheet in Excel doesn't actually give you an idea or condition. It just makes it really awkward to trade. Yeah. And, and sometimes, like, I don't even know that, th- this times where I'll be going through somebody's binder, and there's a card that I'll come across and go, you know... Maybe I do want to try that, but if you just show me the name of the card in a spreadsheet, it's not going to dawn on me that I might actually have interest in it. It doesn't spark your interest, right? Yeah. You want to you want a window shop. You don't want to shop online. Kind yeah, of. but uh, you know that's that's his own choice to do it. It's kind of weird. Like I thought it was a little. I'm like, but why did you bring the whole box? And he's like, right. well, because it, it's hard to trade if I don't have it. I'm thinking like, well, how much do you like? Are you looking to trade the whole thing or like? Yeah. It was just it was just kind of awkward. Yeah. But I've yeah. done it in the past. So, yeah. So so anyway, he, I think he was on Rug Delver because like I guess he was using Boys. Force. He had swamps. He was oh, was one. it? Was it yeah. four color? Yeah, so that shows you how much I was paying attention. I lost in two. Um, Days Undoing was bad there, too. I cast that in, like, game two, and he was actually on, like, two or three, maybe, like, one or two spells in hand, and he was like, okay, he was very excited to draw seven, so I knew yeah. that kind of boned me pretty hard. Um, <laughs> and- yeah. You always feel terrible when you do something that you think is going to get you back in the game, and your, your opponent's just like, yeah, go yeah, for it. Yeah, do exactly. It. <laughs> exactly. He was actually running, um, that was the first time I played against someone running um, Sylvan Library. Um, <laughs> so I, that's I, a card. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's actually, so does it give you the chance to um, to basically brainstorm every turn, or you just look at the top three, you look and at then the top, you just... You look at the top three and reorder them? Okay. You, you you can draw extra cards at the cost of four life per four, card. Right. right. So yeah. that's how it is functionally, but Pat, uh, rule wise, that is actually how it is because Sylvan Library is like one of those cards that judges either love or hate because yep. of all it has so many quirky rule interactions because the cards you look at the top three are actually drawn. So even yeah. though they're not supposed to touch your hand because it matters which cards they are, they mm-hmm. still count as drawing cards. So any mm-hmm. any card that affects like Notion Thief or Chains of Mephistopheles right. uh, is going to affect it and screw that up. So you're right. You keep them separate and you just look at them because they're not supposed to touch your hand because decision trees matter because you have to put back cards that you drew this turn, which is... Also interesting, if you another world's rules quirk is casting brainstorm into Sylvan Library, which I'm not even going to try and get into on the podcast. Ask your <laughs> ask your local judges, kids. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a it's a good card because of that. But yeah, you're right. Essentially, it lets you look at the top three cards, put two back in any order, or pay four life to uh, only put uh, you know draw an extra card. Essentially, right? Yeah. So that was interesting. I thought that was really neat. I've never seen that card in action. Like I've heard about it and and. I thought I understood the value of it, but then seeing it happen, I'm like, oh, that's actually, that's super good. 
actually um, so much the, better than I thought. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. So, so anyway, so I lost to him, which was which was fine. He was a nice enough guy. Um, and then round three, I played the blue red mirror again. In all honesty, I'm not going to go into it too much. Um, but days undoing was just bad again there. Um, so my kind of my interactions there, um, days undoing was just not good in that in, in blue red delver. Um, I didn't pick up a single game with it. Um, I felt like every time I cast it, I lost immediately, either the following turn or the turn after that. I felt like it didn't give me any a, a bit of a tempo advantage, which is what I was really looking for. Um, dig through time for me is just much better. Um, the instant speed is, is, is huge. Um, being able to uh, you know, just pay two versus three is a very, very big deal, even though it's two blue. Um, and then delve the rest, I would just rather cast dig through time. And then looking at the top seven is, it, is just... Uh, it feels better than drawing seven and having to end your turn just because I get a little bit of selection there and I get I still get to see seven cards and I get to pick the two that I want. Um, it, it does help to be like, you know, even if you have to tap out for it, you can say maybe I'll be able to grab a, say, a land in my top seven and a bolt in my top seven and finish the game there. You know, you don't have to wait for the next turn. Um, so was not impressed with days I'm doing overall. Yeah, we, we talked about it uh, at the tournament too, about kind of the, the theory that we were figuring out because I, I remember... I loved uh, coming up uh, and talking to you after each round to see how it played out. And yeah. it does definitely seem like, while you may want it in Blue Red Delver to get you know reactive stuff like Dazes and Force of Wills, a lot of times you are just drawing like more creatures and burn, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Which you couldn't really cast because either A, you're tapped out, or you know if it's in the creature's case, it's not your turn. Right. So it, it almost felt like it was better in decks that just wanted to drop their entire hand and then draw a fresh hand of seven and drop their entire hand again. Right. Um, more along the lines of, like, Affinity. Yeah, exactly. I, I know that Affinity and Monitor is running it, um, which makes it, you know, makes perfect sense. Um, I know that Adrian had said, hey, run it in Burn, and to me that makes a lot of sense. Um, if I had my four Goblin Guides still, I would I would probably run it. I might even just try to pick up four more and try to run it, because it. I think you could catch them off guard if I'm running all my red fetches and then just, you know, at the end of at the end of turn, just fetch for, you know, fetch for a, a dual land, fetch for my volcanic island, and then just play days undoing, reload my hand, and pass turn. Because um, mm-hmm. I can even draw, I can even draw into like a, what's the one that's the four damage, sacrifice two mounts for four damage? Oh, fire blast. Yeah, I was just thinking that. I feel you really have to build the deck around the days undoing to yeah. load up on as many free instances as possible. Like, yep. max out on forces, max out on days, max out on fire blast. Um, I was even thinking like even a more centered de- deck around it because uh, I remember older sets had a bunch of cycles of just alternate cast uh, spells where instead of paying its mana cost you could do X or if you had X you could cast it for free. Um, so I wonder if a deck based around those cards in Days Undoing uh, might be kind of interesting. Yeah, it's worth checking out. Um, like I said, I think it might work in Burn. Um, but the other thing that I took away from the day and, and kind of one of the benefits of trying out two new cards on my list, at least two new cards to me, was Vapor Snag was phenomenal. Um, I really enjoyed the card. I loved the the tempo that it offered, being, you know, one blue, bounce a creature, um, and do a damage was really great. And in all honesty, I was fine when someone would force a will it, um, which was, which felt really great to have someone just still take a damage and spend two cards on a, on, on a single mana card. Or when it got flusterstormed, I was fine with that as well, because that is not, you know... Vapor Snag is not going to be my my game winning card. It's just something to bounce a creature to, to get a little bit more advantage there, get a little bit more tempo. So I actually really like Vapor, Vapor Snag. I will probably run two in that list. Um, I already put my four uh, Dig Through Time back in. 
Um, I don't think I'll be going back to Days and Doing, at least in the Blue Red Delver mix. Um, but that, that's kind of how it went. It was, uh, it was good to play three rounds, but they were, you know, I, I guess it gave me a really big appreciation for how finely tuned, like, the legacy decks are, and, like, how the addition or subtraction of a single card can make a huge difference. Like, I never, uh-huh. I never drop every single game in every round. That, that, that just doesn't happen. Like, I don't win every round, but I certainly have a, a fighting chance. <laughs> I go the games. But this just felt like super lopsided. Every single time I just, every single time I had days in doing my hand, it just, I just wanted to have dig through time instead. Yeah. Um, do you remember also talking? Uh, I remember Adrian, you got in on this too at the uh, shop. Uh, we were talking about like the vintage decks that would just try and do a turn one wheel of fortune to just screw your opponent out of a mulligan. So you know, a lot of vintage players, as like kind of a troll move, will. You know, cast a bunch of mocks, a bunch of fast mana, uh, and then cast Wheel of Fortune on their first turn. So they draw seven new cards. And But the side benefit that sometimes happens is your opponent, who also draws seven cards, if that's their turn one, that's essentially t- stripping them of their chance to mulligan. Because they could draw mm-hmm. a hand of seven, you know, lands and be forced to keep it because it's an effect off Wheel of Fortune. And you can mm-hmm. just, like get random wins from games that way as just like a silly silly uh, thing that happens so I wonder if kind of a, uh, that would be something interesting to do in Legacy see if you can get some fast mana and just try and do a turn one days and doing yeah yeah it was it's just what it wasn't good um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining I just, like, two colorless and a blue yeah, I don't want to say I was salty because I really felt like it was it was very much worthwhile to. I mean, I have fun playing Legacy regardless. I was still had a smile on my face at the end of the day, but it just felt like, man, that was just a bad choice. You know, well, I'm glad it wasn't like a real a real tournament. Did you did you at least have fun casting the card? Oh yeah, like I when well, I that's... cast it and my first opponent was like, oh, I wasn't expecting that. I was like, yeah, like, <laughs> I'm trying it out. I'm trying it out. I don't know if it's good. And then at the end of the day, I came up back. I came back and I said, hey, uh, uh, you know, spoiler alert, days and doings really bad. <laughs> well, just just in that deck, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. No, absolutely. It's it it absolutely has a place. Um, I just thought maybe it was in Blue Red Delver. Turns out it's not. So that's fine. I I still had the opportunity to play with Vapor Snag, and I'm really happy about that because. That card was fantastic. I'm, I'm, that's actually probably one of my new favorite cards in the deck. So, nice. Yeah. What about you, Jerry? How'd your How'd your Sunday go? Uh, it was good. I, I also had a learning event. Um, I did mediocre. I did. I went three and two. Um, I lost to Bug Delver. Um, he just outtempled me. He had all the right wastelands and all the right stifles. Um, so. Uh, that's that. That happens. Uh, and then at the end of the day, I lost to a real good guy at the shop, uh, Chris. Uh, he plays elves. Uh, I get to play against him a lot, and he's always a fun opponent. But it was really, really good matches where you know he fought through all my hate and really interactive games. So that was fun. Uh, I did. I did verse John Kerman though, <laughs> and I unfortunately <laughs> just smacked him, and I felt really bad. <laughs> Like, I just, he did not get to play Magic against me. He watched me play Magic. <laughs> but he was a good sport as always, so always appreciated of uh, uh, playing against him. And I honestly can't remember the other two decks that I beat, but I they were just regular metagame decks. Um, my What I took away from it is I've been tweaking the deck a lot in preparation of uh, Eternal Weekend. And I just realized this weekend, you know, sometimes... 
you know, you just got to take a step back. You know, when is a painting done? You know, you could keep adding to it and adding to it and building on it, but eventually you start going in the wrong direction and you start making it worse rather than better. And I kind of felt that this weekend where I have all my silver bullets and all my tweaks to, you know, improve certain games, but I just felt the deck overall was worse. I may have been... Right. We we talked about that, right? Like, you kind of had given up a lot of the consistency of the deck for Mm -hmm. silver bullets instead, right? Right. So I think I'm definitely taking it as I'm going to take a step back from the deck. I'm going to go back a couple steps and go more uh, towards the deck's roots. There's definitely some tweaks that I do like that I'm keeping, like the Priest of Titania. Uh, That is an amazing uh, addition. I win so many games on her back, so I'm really happy about that addition. Hold on a second. What what deck? Aggro Loam. The priest of Titania? Oh, not priestess. Uh, the, okay. the the one for the commander, Aragon. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Uh, the one, the five three. That when she comes into play, you bring a land from your graveyard, and then whenever into play, and then whenever land leaves your battlefield and goes to your graveyard, you put a five three token into play. Mm-hmm. And that card's just silly good in the deck with Knight of the Reliquary and Wastelands and Fetchlands. Yeah, you had a lot of cute shit going on with that. Yeah, because so I have the priestess out and Knight of the Reliquary out. And I'll sack one of my lands to the knight, which uh, puts a 5-3 into play. I'll then go and get uh, a fetch land with the knight, put the fetch land in play, crack the fetch land. That puts another 5-3 in play. Uh, get a get another land, and then if I have a second knight out, it gets even zanier, because then I just sack the uh, land I fetch out, and I repeat the process with a fetch land, or I grab a wasteland and waste them off one of their mana. And I've just put like twenty power on the board, twenty five if you count if you count uh, Aragoth. Hmm. So that I mean that just is an incredible engine to the deck that I definitely like. But a lot of the silver bullets, like the Quasali Pride Mage and the Chains of Mephistopheles, and kind of, kind of those little changes, I think I'm going to strip away just because they're they help me. They win that one game, and you remember that one game, but you don't really remember, necessarily remember the 14 other games that you drew it and it didn't really do anything. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was that was my weekend. What about you, Adrian? So, uh, let's see. I don't even know what the hell day it is. <laughs> Shit's been dizzy. <laughs> Shit's been dizzy. Um, I sold my collection. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I, I w- I'm not going to disclose a whole hell of a lot of about it, but uh, I sold off my collection, so not last weekend, but the weekend before, I went to tea, and Celso handed me mud. Yep. <laughs> and I hadn't played mud in, like, a couple years, and figured, screw it, I'll, yeah, I'll play. Uh, I forgot, like... Actually, had just really good game against Burn, uh, beat Burn round one. Which you know, normally I like to play like Shardless Bug, and Burn just chews on Shardless Bug. Um, because I'm cracking fetches, casting Thoughtseize, casting Force of Will. I'm bringing my own life total down. So Burn's uh, not the best matchup for Shardless Bug. But when you just start the game with like City of Traders Chalice at one. that's pretty good (laughs) that was actually there was so many games where that was just so much uh so much better than i remembered um yeah so i played mud and uh yeah it was all right had some fun and then me and celso and john carmen went up to the brazilian steakhouse 
And you guys missed out on that. <laughs> I, heard, I heard from Furman that it was fantastic. Yeah. That, that stuff was absurd. <laughs> that was so good. And, uh, Ker- and Kerman just came up to me at the tournament, and just without a word, he just looks me down in the eye, and it's like, you messed up, man. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. And I'm just like, what? what? And like, I have no idea what he's talking about. He's like, you messed up, man. I'm like, what? He's like, stay caps, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's, he's cool, too. I've been talking to him a lot lately. But the... Uh, so yeah, we went to the Brazilian steakhouse, and then like, and I had so what I had sold my collection, and then I started because I wanted to start looking. I I put a down payment on a house. Congratulations! Yeah, yeah big step, man. Oh my god, yeah. And then we started talking about marriage. So I'm like, I'm I I sold my collection, buying a house, getting married, just nothing going on over here. <laughs> <laughs> so, um. Yeah, it's uh, that was all pretty wild. But uh, sold the collection, went grab Brazilian Steakhouse, then I went up there Sunday because there was a couple of guys that I had to bring some. Oh yeah, by the way, I had to bring some cards to Pat because um, somebody had I I had run into somebody um, at an event. This is this stuff, you know. This still this still throws me, and uh, it's 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 kind of funny because you know, right? It's it's just. Like, right now, it's just me, Pat, Jerry, hanging out, talking, right? And then I'll forget, you know, kind of go about. Well, I, I went up to this event, and um, somebody that I knew from Southbridge, this guy Dave, had, had come up to me. He's like, hey, my buddy's looking for some cards for his cube, wondering if you have any. And he's looking for, like, mana drains and stuff, like like vintage stuff for his cube that I, that I don't have vintage stuff. And um, I got a lot of legacy stuff. But I talked to him for a little bit, and all of a sudden he goes... Oh, are you Adrian? I'm like, yeah. He goes, oh my god, I recognize your voice. I listen to the podcast. <laughs> Getting recognized on the street by your voice. New it, level. <laughs> it, it was, it, and I'm like, oh man, I'm sorry. Because like, whenever somebody's like, I listen to the podcast, I'm like, oh, I'm sorry about that. But um, <laughs> he he liked it. He, he enjoys it and stuff. And I know there's a lot of people that do. But uh, so I was talking to him, and his name is Jared. And you know, he listens to work out. I think he said Westbro. And uh, so the next day. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to, you know, we we're going to meet up because he had a bunch of commas he wanted to donate. And this is like something I hadn't thought about because I've, I've gotten, you know, we, we've been doing this, um, you know, and, and when we started doing it, I was imagining if somebody opened a pack and took the rare and didn't want the rest of the cards, they could send them in an envelope. I didn't realize that there would be like as much participation as there's been. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and I'm talking to this guy and I hadn't even, there's a couple aspects I hadn't even thought about, um, you know, when, uh, what the lightning bolt play mat when I started doing like a blind auction somebody's like oh my god I'm so glad you started doing this because I wanted to contribute but I didn't have the time to go dig all my commons out and stuff and I'm like oh shit I hadn't even thought about that aspect to it you know and um and then this guy I was talking to him and it didn't dawn on me he doesn't have twitter he doesn't have facebook he had no way to get in contact with us <laughs> you know by the way I should mention if you want to email the show you can email us at leavingalegacymtg at gmail.com um but so I ran into him and we were talking and he's like, all right, well, I'm going to come down to tea and bring some commons. And uh, so I'm sitting there with Celso and I'm trying to play this deck I haven't played in two years, trying to remember how to play it. And he shows up and he's got like boxes of commons. And uh, so his name was Jared anyway. So scooping a top eight to Jared early. And uh, so, so yeah, then he left and, and um, yeah, then I put an offer in on a house uh, with a real estate agent. They negotiated the price down and... Uh, and I got 10 days to do an inspection. I scheduled that today. Man, this, this, that stuff's crazy, dude. I'm looking at, like, 
a 30-year commitment on something I'm going in knowing I can't afford? That's that's some scary shit. Capitalism at its finest. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> that's that's actually exactly what it is, yeah. Um, so it's... Uh, and I know, Jerry, you've seen my apartment. I have. It's not the biggest, right? No, but it's 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 a nook. I like it. <laughs> would you would you say it's good for one person? Yeah, I'd say it's good for one person. Yeah, so me and Lita are gonna move into an apartment, the two of us, in an apartment about this size, maybe even a little smaller. Hmm. <laughs> so it's gonna get it's gonna get pretty interesting. But uh, and 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 we spent all uh, what the other night and all day yesterday just uh, talking about planning, calling people. Um, getting estimates for trying to put a wedding on, which is uh, so yeah, nothing going on here. <laughs> <laughs> Just another day in the neighborhood. Yeah, nothing to see here. But what I what I what I did start doing because I started thinking about it and like, you know, I still have like you know I sold my whole collection. The only thing I actually kept was uh, I've got a box of foils, like just foil commons and stuff that the things I usually use to make proxies out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, maybe I'll make a foil proxy cube. That would be awesome. Yeah, so, pro- proxy cubes are sweet. Foil proxy cubes are even better. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's it's another one of the hobbies that I've had. I can kind of make some foil proxy cubes. So I made up, you know, and I'm trying to figure out what I want to do a powered cube, what I want to do a non-powered cube, and so far, uh, just for like, um, I don't know, rep- reminiscence or some sort of thing, I started doing up like the power. So I'm thinking foil powered cube. Um, and proxied and uh, so yeah and then the other thought was uh, for me at some point you know and I, I was kind of talking about it and thinking about it what's because the thing was like I had so many cards I couldn't play because I can only play one deck at a time so I want to but like what would I want to go back into Legacy with because I like Merfolk so like at some point I may want to put Merfolk back together and start playing Legacy again because mm-hmm. everybody was asking me they're like well you're keeping Tin Fins right <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like well uh, no if I sell the collection I'm selling the whole thing um, but the, and, and Tin Fins is not I wouldn't recommend getting into Legacy on the back of Tin Fins <laughs> I also wouldn't recommend getting into Legacy on the back of Oops All Spells yeah but uh but I I would likely put Merfolk back together and then get back into Legacy again. It's just right now I had to kind of free up some stuff to try to put a down payment on this house. Uh, that would be an amazing like success story in the community. Uh, you know, everyone complaining about how Legacy is too expensive to buy into, and just the perspective of someone who sold out uh, and then is buying back at at you know what people consider the peak. And just finding out like the story behind that, I think yeah, that's awesome. I, well, that's the thing is, I don't actually consider it a peak. Like Force of Will and Wasteland are really the expensive cards you pick up in Merfolk. And as soon as Modern Season starts to die out, Lord of Atlantis, Master of the Pearl Trident, Curse Catcher, Ethervile, all that stuff is going to settle back down. Mm-hmm. You know, and like that, just pick up the rest of a Merfolk deck. Like I, I like to think that like at a certain point, just picking up a Merfolk deck complete isn't. It isn't isn't terrible, and there's actually, um, you know, and I sold the collection, and you know, no sponsorship or anything. I'm not thinking about. I know there's something coming up in the future. I'm curious to see what actually happens with it to see where exactly I want to purchase a Merfolk deck. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to get too much into that. But uh, what I do, but I'm I'm looking at like, you know, freeing up all the all the capital that I had invested in the collection, and then turning it into what its own source of income. To try to go back into legacy again eventually, if I wanted to, is not is not impossible at all. 
right? But I think it's very admirable. Well, I think it's also a lovely segue into something else, right? Uh, I think so. And that lovely segue <laughs> would be... Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down now. <laughs> uh, so... We... <laughs> I planned this, guys. Listen, listen to this plan. Here we go. <laughs> we were all talking about, you know, how a really common question in the legacy or just wanting to be in the legacy community is people say, I want to play in legacy, but I don't know what to play. I don't know where to start. So we thought we would, uh, you know, try something out, uh, try a little segment, maybe recurring if it's uh, successful, uh, where we kind of just pick a different deck every week and just go over why we would want to play it. Uh, and Pat, uh, you got the honor of choosing the first deck we were going to look at. Uh, what did yeah. you choose? So I um, was looking at the top eight of the latest uh, Star City Games Open, uh, the one that was in D.C., and I thought the Storm deck looked kind of neat. Um, I've never played against Storm. I wanted to find out more about the deck. Um, and I figured you guys were the guys to ask about it. So what do we call this segment, Jerry? What, what the fuck should I play? <laughs> what the fuck should I play? What the oh, hell the, should I play? Depending. The language. The language. <laughs> that's the influence. I'm telling you, that's the influence I must have because you guys uh, like recorded all last week and I don't think I heard one swear. I know. Jerry, Jerry and I are very reserved, man. <laughs> I, I, I was going to bust a little bit of also because I'm listening to it going, did Jerry just say grunt pricks? <laughs> He did say that. I actually listened to it. I said, he did say Grand Prix. Okay. Uh, with the things we can't take back. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, so I was looking at this list. Now, so they call it Storm. It's obviously a Storm deck. But, Jerry, what's what what do you call this and why? S- so I think so we're going to take it on a more macro level, but just to break it down for those storm players out there that are going to be cringing if we don't address this right up front. Yeah, right. <laughs> There's two main types of storm. There's ad nauseum tendrils, referred to as ant, and Tess, the epic storm. The version we're going to be looking at is the fifth place at the Star City Open in uh, Washington. And Jerry will put the link in the show notes. Yes, of course, <laughs> of course. Uh, piloted by Bryant Cook, came in fifth. And just to run down the list quick, uh, one Swamp, four Bloodstained Mire, four Polluted Delta, two Underground Sea, two Volcanic, and that is it. Thirteen lands, so very light mana base, eight fetches, and only five things to fetch. That is a legacy mana base for you. Um, all of then, which grab the basic Swamp. Yes, all of which can grab the basic Swamp to play and around. He, he also has a Bayou in the sideboard as well. A Bayou in the sideboard for some uh, green-based sideboard cards. And then for other mana in the deck, he has four Lion's Eye Diamond, four Lotus Petal, two Chrome Mocks, and then from there, four Dark Ritual, uh, and four Rite of Flame. So it is a blue-black-red deck, uh, primarily black uh, for the engine, blue for the cantrips and filters, no counter spells, uh, just cantrips and blue. And then uh, black also provides protection with uh, discard in the form of duress and cabal therapy. And red gives you a little bit of extra 
uh, mana boost with Rite of Flames, but it's primarily there for Burning Wish, so you can find any one of your one-ofs in your sideboard, uh, which are your win conditions and also your last-ditch a- uh, answers to permanent base threat. So this is this is ad nauseum tendrils, right? Because they're running ad nauseum in the main, and they have uh, tendrils in the side. Exactly, ad nauseum is the oh. main card. It's only a one of, but no, they. Can... I don't think this is ad nauseum. That's why I was asking what you'd call it, Jerry. Oh, really? We call it ad nauseum tendrils. You don't think this is the epic storm? Mm, no. Like, the difference in the epic storm and ad nauseum tendrils, just from my perspective from playing at nauseum uh from playing the epic storm is access to right of flame and burning wish see i feel the epic storm is more centered around access to past and flames and playing a much more graveyard focused deck whereas ad nauseum is a lot more sideboard focused but ad nauseum isn't really sideboard focused um, okay, so I, I guess... It's it, just, sem- just semantics. I was just wondering what you were yeah. calling it. No, I can definitely see. So I, I think it's just, it goes for an example that there's also a big blur between the decks. Yeah. Um, you know, Burning Wish is more traditionally towards uh, the Epic Storm, you're right. Um, but I feel the big part of it is is the Ad Nauseum uh, main as the way to actually find everything in the deck and actually build up your storm count. Because at least from what I remember, Ad Nauseum has always been the traditional win condition that the Epic Storm kind of moved away from. So so this deck is basically, they're, they're getting their, their mana through Lion's Eye Diamond, Lotus Petal, Dark Ritual. Um, they can get it through Rite of Flame as well, correct? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so they're trying to build up their build up their mana pool, and then they're going to cast. Uh, I'm assuming Cobalt Therapy and Duress uh, to to clear the way of counter spells. Sure. Is that right? And then go into Burning Wish for maybe something like uh, Empty the Warrens, which is going to give them a bunch of Goblin tokens on the battlefield. Well, they or can, they can also cast. Uh, so w- with Chrome Mox and Lion's Eye Diamond, you, Lion's Eye Diamond, you get to get no cards in your hand. You can get yourself mm-hmm. Hellbent. And yep. then you can cast Infernal Tutor and go through the deck for any card, and cast right. em- Empty the Warrens and flood the board with a bunch of one ones that are going to kill fast. Right. Uh, the other option is to get Burning Wish, go to the sideboard, get Tendrils of Agony, and storm out if you don't think you can actually get through with creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that I always also consider the difference between the two is that Ad Nauseum Tendrils typically wouldn't go for Empty the Warrens. Uh, the Epic Storm can get away with it because they can storm out turn one with enough to put down like. 10 fucking 1 ones and put yeah. you on a 2 turn clock where you have to deal with a swarm of creatures and some decks can just you know if you if somebody happened to keep engineered explosives and has 2 mana <laughs> they can just get rid of your board it's, it's a, it's, it, it can be a little it, the epic storm also I think has a tendency to be a little bit more fragile than ad nauseum tendrils mm-hmm. ad nauseum tendrils is a little more resilient the hell was that thing was that me? I just got an idea Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, but this guy's sweet, right? Like, <laughs> no, everything's just clicking. You see, Adrian started explaining it. It just clicked, and the light bulb went off, and all the sparks are flying, and I'm percolating over here like a bastard. No, I'm really um, curious what that thing was, though. Oh, uh, that was me. That, that was that was a text message. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm, going to, I'm going to cut that out. It is going to be the ding of my brain. Um, <laughs> was, that, was that ding really? Okay, so that wasn't just me, though. That actually did occur? Yeah, no, yes. I heard it. Yeah. Okay, all right. So <laughs> You're not crazy. All right. I can't tell, man. My fucking age is starting to kick in. Oh, the kids are driving me up a fucking wall. Uh, 
so no, not so much. But. So so um so what is this deck weak to? Like I would imagine anything that has <laughs> force like, of will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so so totally like force of will, right? When I looked at it, I saw it was running blue, and then I saw it didn't have any permission. Okay. Um, I figured that Cabal Therapy and Duress was there for that, right? So, so well, here's here's a thought, Pat. Um, as far as like, and I I don't competently pilot ad nauseum tendrils. Mm-hmm. I have played Epic Storm to some fun, uh, and the decks are a little bit different for me. Um, usually, ad nauseum tendrils doesn't access red, is also kind of a, a big flag for me. Um, the Epic Storm can storm out faster. But it's more fragile. As far as like my turn one, maybe I play a land, a right of flame, um, and get to a point where, where I can like play a li- uh, lotus petal, cast uh, infernal tutor, and then so what you'll end up seeing out of both decks is somebody may cast infernal tutor, and with infernal tutor on the stack, sacrifice the lion's eye diamond to make okay. themselves go hellbent, so that when infernal tutor resolves, they can just get any card in the deck. Okay. But they have to maintain priority when they do that. So so if I cast like five different cards and I cast Infernal Tutor and Crack Lion's Eye Diamond on the stack and you force a will my Infernal Tutor or right. counterspell my Infernal Tutor in any way, I am now no cards in hand, nothing to do. And screwed, right? And I have to rebuild my hand over the next seven turns. Yep, hmm. which is nigh impossible in most cases. Yeah, so so sometimes like if you catch somebody who's trying to storm out and they don't have a draw engine, but they're looking for either the Infernal Tutor to get something out of the deck or the Burning Wish to get something out of the sideboard, yep. you just target that. So you're looking to target Infernal Tutor essentially, or or, or the wish. or the or, Burning Wish. Yeah, basically whatever their Tutor spell will be that's got yep. them hell bent at the time. Usually, like a lot of times, some of the Epic Storm decks you'll see will go. Um, they may go turn one, Badlands, Rite of Flame, Burning Wish, go to the sideboard and grab an Infernal Tutor, so mm-hmm. that the next turn they, they can go a little deeper, because yep. they'll have a Rite of Flame already in the graveyard. Um, it's it's it can it can explode out a little easier, but it's weaker because there's more. I think there's more hand disruption typically in Adnauseum Tendrils. Like this this has three copies of Duress, I mm-hmm. see, and uh, no other way to oh four all right four Cabal Therapies. Right. Um, and you can get a little bit of an interaction where if you can get enough goblins out, you can actually keep ripping somebody's hand apart, sacrificing a goblin, a flashback, cabal therapy. Yeah. Um, but it, you have to end up deciding, like, what, I don't know, what are the chances they got a pernicious deed and didn't cast it? You know, what, what if, if you so, think there's something they could do to wipe the board out. And you, you have the four, four probes, too. So you can probe, draw a card, cabal therapy, and then, or probe, and then cast a rest to pull something out of their hand, right? Right, and a good Storm player will do that. A good Storm player knows when his opponent is on Force of Will, uh, knows when his opponent playing Force of Will is vulnerable. Um, knows when his opponent's on Elves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> getting there, getting there. So this, so this must but, just crush Elves, right? Because Elves has no way to interact with this deck. Pretty much. Like, you can go you can go off faster than an Elf deck. The only thing is they can they can keep blocking your Goblin tokens. You have to get a Storm count. If they okay. actually get a Crater Hoof up with Trample... You're kind of fucked, but it's going to take yep. them. It usually takes them. The, the, the downside is you're not playing permission. Yep. Like it, right, but uh, you know, a good what I was saying is a good storm player um, knows when to go off and when not to go off, and they'll strip the permission out of their opponent's hand before ever casting their combo because they can't counter your combo if you don't play it. Right. Um, so the deck definitely requires patience in that regard, and. 
that is, you know, with the elves, that is the flip side of the coin. It's like, sure, you are weak to heavy counterspell-based decks, but you are very strong against decks only running light counterspell, kind of like Grixis, which is only running, like, Force of Will sometimes, not even the Dazes. Yep. Um, and, you know, decks that don't run counterspells at all, such as, like, Aggro Loam. Like, Storm is probably one of the things I would hate the most to play against piloting Aggro Loam. It's winnable, but they just have that option to turn one you. There are a bunch of decks where if you just draw your perfect hand with Storm, that you just like, yep, and I just win here. Like Death and Taxes, Mud, Agro Loam, Elves. These decks can't do anything to stop you. And if you give them a couple turns, they can just deploy threats like Thalias and Chalice of the Voids that will stop you. So you do have to win quick, but you just get so many free wins off the deck that that's one of the biggest draws in playing it. Interesting. Yeah, it seems like a really cool deck. Um, it, I've I never I've never got a chance to really watch Storm. I've played against like something like High Tide, where they're just constantly casting spells like that. But this deck actually seems really neat, and it doesn't seem like it's too expensive to put together. Maybe yeah, the Lion's Eye Diamond and like yeah, like uh, so. I say not too expensive. I always just dis- disregard the mana base because I feel <laughs> like I feel like in in Legacy, like we're all like I mean, someone like me, I'm just working up to owning. A playset of everything, anyway. So I try not to think about that too much. I wouldn't bother um, with a playset of plateaus. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have one, and it's uh, it's not really done me much good. But so, so I just like the... wait, real quick, I just want to say though, even as far as legacy mana bases go, this is definitely on the cheaper side because you're only running four duels total. It's not you're like you're running three underground, three tropical, and two bayou. Oh, it's definitely not shardless bug. Right. So <laughs> it, you know you're right. It does get a little expensive because lines uh, of diamond. Yes, because Lion's Eye Diamond, but it's definitely, I would put it in a mid-range deck. It's not your yeah. bottom-of-the-barrel cheapest deck you can build, but it's by no means one of the most expensive decks in the format. Yeah, I mean, LED is not even that more, that, it's like $10 more expensive than a Wasteland, so it's not even, like, crazy. Well, the difference is, the di- well, the difference is the versatility of the card. Wasteland will go in a lot more decks than a Lion's Eye Diamond will. Well, Lion's, Eye yeah. Di- Lion's Eye Diamond would probably put you into like a small category of decks where you can play the Epic Storm, you could play Ad Nauseam Tendrils, which is just about the same, you could play Burning yeah. Reanimator, which is very similar. Like you, could play, you could play Dredge, which yep. would take, what, uh, 72 other, well, 71 other cards. Yeah. Um, but but it's, uh, Lion's Eye Diamond puts you into a different... Like, I, I kind of look at, I mean, the mana base... Uh, I think I agree with you. In fact, like I can consider it irrelevant because that goes in so, the mana base will go in so many decks anyway. Right. Aside from like a Tega, where you're playing Belcher and maybe Rug Delver, yeah. but like uh, aside from that, like any of the dual lands have a high versatility. Mm-hmm. It's the cards that don't have such a high versatility that I start to look at. Um, you know, the value of the card as far as versatile playability. So that, like. That- yeah, that makes a lot of sense, because I remember you telling me, when I started talking about going into Delver, you're like, that's a great deck to get into, because so many of those cards will go into other decks, so yeah. it's not like you're investing all of your money and time into one thing, and you can't get into anything else. Right, right. Yeah. If you, you get... get... Sorry, go ahead. Well, you get Force of Will, you get Wasteland, you get Volcanic Islands, and you can start to transition to multiple decks from there, whether you go Rug Delver, Bug Delver, it doesn't really matter too much. You know, a lot of your cards that you've invested in are still going to have versatility and be playable. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, because if you buy the Lion's Eye Diamonds, that locks you into such specific deck type. You basically mm-hmm. have Oops All Spells, Storm Variants, and Belcher. And yeah. Dredge, and I yeah. guess Dredge. <laughs> yeah, you're very much combo. Yeah, Lion's Eye Diamond is a key that you're a combo player. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's not even that, it's like you're an all-in combo player. Yes. <laughs> like, all of those decks are like, bleh! <laughs> Did I win? <laughs> but they are a lot of fun. 
Yes, they are a lot of fun to play, but it's definitely you, you have to be of that mindset uh, in order to really enjoy playing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it seems cool though. Yeah, what I what I was also thinking is, you know, the reason why you would want to play this deck, you know, the type of person you would really want to be is the puzzle solver because that is what this deck is. It's the ultimate puzzle. Um, you know, there are people who have played Storm for the last 10 years, and they still goldfish the deck because there's always different ways to play it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I forget his name. There's one uh, Storm player who is pretty well known in the Legacy community. He has, you know, one of the most... <laughs> He's pretty well known. I forget his name. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that was just ironic. He's European, <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I just, I don't really follow Storm that closely, so I, yeah. I, I know Storm players will know of him. Um, but he, he just has a beautiful, like, the most expensive Storm deck possible, beta duels and guru basics and foil everything. Um, but, you know, he still posts pictures on Twitter of opening hands, asking people's opinion on, uh, you know, keep or mulligan. Because there are so many different ways the deck plays out. And if you're the type of person who loves puzzles and loves solving the puzzle and loves making your opponent watch you solve the puzzle, <laughs> uh, the, de- the deck's really for you. I'm wondering how this actually worked out. He's got a Burning Wish, wish target of a Dark Petition in the sideboard. I know, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he would demonic tutor for instead. I, I just I, I did I, oh, did to bring that up I had it I had it in my uh, in my notes that I wanted to bring up Dark Petition because it yep. is a uh, it is an origins card. It is in the top eight of this of this, <laughs> this open. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, I saw that. And that that is awesome because yeah, you know he he demonic tutors for the uh, ad nauseum, and then he just needs two more mana to just cast it, and that's already a huge boost to your storm count. So I I thought that was real spicy. Yeah. So Pat, looking at the deck, what shouts to you? Why would you want to play that deck? For me, the deck seems like it's it's the puzzle thing to me. Like I love I like puzzle games. It's it's always been something that I've been interested in. So to me, that seems like it's kind of cool, and it also seems, because it operates on a different axis, like I've been playing creature decks for a long, long time, and because this deck operates on a different axis, um, that also seems very interesting to me. It does seem like it's weak uh, in certain metas to counter spells, but if this guy got to top eight in an SG Open, it it clearly has a lot of play to it, and being good with the deck means you can take it places. It's not like it's not like one of those pet decks that like no matter how much you practice it, it doesn't have a chance of, of winning. Which is still a fine way to go, but like you know, if I want to invest like a, a bunch of time into learning a deck, I'd like it to at least have a shot, at, an, an outside shot at, at winning something. Um, and this obviously has that outside shot. Um, oh yeah, there definitely have been times in Magic's history, in recent history as well, where Storm has been one of the best decks in the format. It's fallen off a little bit just in the current meta, but it is still you know a a renowned deck. It's something that if your opponent sees you start to play, they're gonna get nervous. I'm always on the edge of my seat when I finish playing against a Storm player <laughs> because there's just that feeling that, you know, you could be dead at any moment. And it's just such a suspense builder because if you're the Storm player, 90% of your turns are going to be draw, think a bit, maybe play a lands, maybe not, and then say go. <laughs> draw, <laughs> think a bit, maybe play a lands, maybe not, and then say go. <laughs> and as the opponent, you're just like, what is he doing over there? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, definitely, definitely an interesting deck. Da- so I guess kind of running down to bullet points um, for pros, uh, it's it's a uh, you know free win deck. You can get 
just insta wins off of a lot of the format. Um, if you're a puzzle type person, you can really enjoy it and it'll be fun to play. And uh, also as a kind of just a third point, uh, it's the type of deck that once you pick up, you don't really put down. There are Storm players who have been Storm players for their entire legacy career. It's definitely a deck you can, that you can get lost in and not play any other decks in the format and be completely happy about that. It just seems like there's so much depth to it. Maybe that's another thing that kind of like catches my eye. There's a lot of a lot of decisions to make, and that to me is very interesting. Right, which kind of leads into cons in a, in a point, is that it's probably one of the most difficult decks in the format to play. Um, you know, because it has so many lines, and because it's so punishing to wrong decisions, it really rewards perfect play. What do you think, Adrian? What do I think about the Epic Storm? I, don't I think know. it's Ep- sweet, man. I think the Epic cool. Storm's a lot of fun, but I think I would I would recommend getting into that later on. Like, sure. W- when you already have underground seas and volcanic islands and, and you're fucking around with Burning Wish because you've been fucking around with Omni Show in a different way maybe or shit like that. Most of the deck is cheap so it's not hard to put together. Um, it's just the Lion's Eye Diamonds. I wouldn't pick them up first. I'd pick them up last. So sure. if you already have the mana base and you've got like a tax return and you want to get like all the cards that are like a buck and fuck around and like proxy up Lion's Eye Diamonds and see if you like it and then you could actually if you want to pick up Lion's Eye Diamonds I think there's better reasons to pick up Lion's Eye Diamonds than the Epic Storm mm-hmm. uh, I'd like it's a fun reason um, I liked it Lion's Eye Diamonds uh, I picked them up for Burning Reanimator myself but that's because I'm just a fucking I'm an, I'm an idiot when it comes to Grizzlebrand <laughs> <laughs> but like Lion's Eye Diamonds are fun Dredge is a, it's a fun deck to play yeah. um there's just cer- I think there's just certain cards in Legacy. At a certain point, you have to ask yourself, when are you ready to bite the bullet? And totally. Like, Lion's Eye Diamonds is one of those where, like, Force of Will is kind of easy. You know, you can justify Force of Will easy because it's so versatile. Mm-hmm. Uh, Underground Sea, Volcanic Island, same deal. Wasteland, same deal. Um, some cards just... And, and it, usually, for me, it probably comes at, like, the $80 price point. Mm-hmm. Like, at, at $50, I could probably... You know, I, I debate is it a card that I'm going to play off? And like, show and tell doesn't go in a hell of a lot of decks, you know. But the right. deck, or, or sneak attack, same deal. It doesn't go in a hell of a lot of decks, but the deck that it goes in is a deck that I enjoy playing. So, like, sneak attacks, I can actually justify, even though they only go in the one. Well, all right, they go in like what regular sneak attack and mono red sneak attack. But like, aside from that, sneak attack doesn't go in many other decks. Yeah. But it's not at the price point of like Lion's Eye Diamonds. I think they're usually about eighty bucks. Last I was seeing. Yeah, and, that's about what they are now. Yeah. Yeah. So like, once it gets up to about that price, once it gets over fifty, I'll start asking myself: Is it like, what's the versatility of the card? Yeah, you know, totally. How, how versatile can it be? And Lion's Eye Diamond does definitely puts you into combo decks. Usually the combo decks are so fun because they just explode out. Yeah. Um, this one, uh, this deck itself can have a really hard time at like, well, oh shit, anytime, what the hell did Celso give me? Oh, I absolutely hosed an Ad Nauseam deck with Metalworker. Uh, Celso handed me Metalworker, and I never really play Metalworker. I never really play against Metalworker. I don't see it often. But I actually sat down against somebody who was playing Ad Nauseam Tendrils, and I think I started with turn one uh, Chalice at zero Trinosphere. And he's yeah, just like, he's like he couldn't do a thing. Because he, he can't get three mana to get rid of the Trinosphere to get rid of the Chalice. Like, he was just fucking hosed. And uh, I'm like, wow, this deck is actually pretty freaking sick. The little metalworker deck, um, and I, I think both games I just landed Trinospheres. and and like 
you know, not, there's not many decks that play a Trinisphere. Yeah. And and that makes a storm deck really hard to play. A chalice at zero, chalice at one makes a storm deck really hard to play. Mm-hmm. It's not terribly common, but some Merfolk decks have been swapping curse catchers for chalices. And um you know, that gives them better game against storm decks. As yep. as well as like other things. But uh you know I don't know. I like I like Storm. I just I I don't play Ad nauseum Tendrils seems like it takes a few turns to actually be ready to go off. You make sure the coast is clear. Uh, yep. The epic storm can usually just fire out so uh, faster, but it's a little more fragile because you're you're, you're more at the behest of permission. Totally it feels yeah. I mean, it's definitely cool to like kind of go a little bit deeper in these decks to find out a little bit more about them. But I get where you're coming from, where it's like invest in the ma- invest in your mana bases because those are the most easy to swap between decks, and then invest in your force wills because those are obviously going a lot of decks as well. And I'm I'm glad I've gone that route because I feel like with blue red delver. A lot of the cards I have are just gonna can get immediately slot into other decks. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, and, and and the thing is, is like you'll end up playing cards. I got to imagine you're gonna end up playing cards in Blue Red Delver that you could actually bring backwards to modern anyway. Mm-hmm. Like you, you know, you're not even like one of the things that I always liked about Merfolk is that you you bite Force of Will, you bite Wasteland, and the rest of the deck you can walk back and forth between modern with. Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned that because I was actually thinking about Merfolk today and. Um, I'll probably when modern season is kind of rotated out of uh, out of being the pro tour thing, I'm probably gonna go into um, and just like collect some of the cards I don't have for Merfolk because that just seems like a fun deck in general. It actually, I mean, it is, it is, it, it, it like it punishes blue decks. It can, depending on how it's built, it can kind of be a little difficult to deal with. I mean, some will just uh, it, it's it's. Uh, it's almost like playing slivers, but they're better. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> well, you heard it here. Next on what the fuck should I play, Merfolk. <laughs> <laughs> That's the next one we'll do. <laughs> it's um. it's it's a lot of fun. It's yeah. a lot of fun. I mean, it's it's linear. Like it's not the thing. Like, I mean, how can I put it? I when I'm playing a combo deck, I will give up consistency for speed. Mm-hmm. Because it's just like I mean I play ten fins that's what I do, yeah. <laughs> like but it's uh it, it's part partly it's the puzzle you know and like yeah. you don't you won't get that puzzle solving feeling playing Merfolk because it's so linear yep but you will have like matches where people just cannot contend with four five fives on turn three that are island walking yeah <laughs> like, no it's, it's it's yeah like it yeah absolutely. But uh, yeah, I think that was a that was a good robust rundown of Storm, and you know also just as a kind of final point on it too is there's different flavors of Storm too. So if you are thinking uh, about it uh, as a deck choice and you know you want that style of deck, you can buy into it, and there is flexibility within the format it, within the deck type archetype itself. So if you're okay with being locked in, by all means, go for it, because there are Storm players who just love the deck and don't really care about playing anything else. Yeah, and and I think there's a lot of guys, too, that I know that uh, have invested in Storm for what seems like their entry deck into Legacy, so they feel, you know, they, maybe they're just kind of locked in because they invested in a deck that didn't have the versatility of cards. You know, the card diversity. Right, because it's also probably one of the cheapest decks you can buy into that you can be a Tier 1 competitor. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, you that know, makes sense too. It's really a storm is one of the decks where it's really about your your playing ability more than availability of cards. Um, it definitely rewards tight play and people who put the time into playing the cards rather than get, just getting free wins off of jaces and countertops. Hmm. Is there a? Uh, I mean, besides, you know, I'm thinking of all the tax effects like this Thalia Thorn of Amethyst. Is there a land that that has a tax effect also? Uh, I mean, Tabernacle is a tax effect for creatures, but I don't think there's anything for spells. That's right. I, the last time I played the Epic Storm, I played against Aaron, and I think when I went to Duressum, I saw a Tabernacle. I'm like, well, yeah, I guess I'm not casting fucking Empty the Warrens. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> it's like, Empty the Warrens for a bunch, and I see a Tabernacle in his hand. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so, speaking of uh, uninteractive decks... Did you guys see the finals of the um, the Open, by the way, like last weekend that we were talking about? I did. Uh, Esper versus Omnitel. <laughs> yeah, so Josh Pellerin was on Omnitel, um, and he was playing against Shaheen Sarani, uh, and he was on Esper Stoneblade. And uh, those are... <laughs> What's that? Good for Shaheen. He he's uh he's a well known Esper player in the community, and he just he tries to make Esper so good, even in metas where Esper is terrible. He just <laughs> that's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. He refuses to give up that deck. <laughs> um, and it was pretty like I watched the two games, and they were over pretty quickly. Like it didn't seem like he had anything to um to to counteract the, the omniscience. And once once uh, Josh had the omniscience in play, it seemed like the game was over from there. Yeah, that's really the problem with Esper against the combo decks is you have permission and you have discard, but you're very slow to deploy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're only running three Force of Will, uh, and your other counterspell is a counterspell, so if they're going for an early win, that counterspell may not even be up and available. Um, your thought seizes are good, but you really are dependent on winning the die roll. And I, t- I thought his one inclusion in the sideboard as anti-Omnitel was hilarious, if a bit slow. Is Did you see the Telemann performance in the sideboard? No, what the hell is Telemann performance? <laughs> so, so Telemann, you want me to read it, Jerry? Yeah, read, go ahead, Pat. <laughs> Telemann performance is uh, three blue-blue, it's a sorcery, and it reads, Target opponent reveals cards from the top of his or her library until he or she reveals a creature card. That player puts all non-creature cards revealed this way into his or her graveyard. Then you put the creature card into play under your control. So if Emrakul is towards the bottom, you also just have the possibility of just milling them out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because they're only playing like, what, like, like one creature, one, right? Yeah, they run one to two Emrakuls. So if they're on a list only running one Emrakul and it's at the bottom of the deck... <laughs> You, it could also just be win the game anyways. <laughs> That's funny. Alan, yeah. What's the casting co- five? It's yeah, five? Yeah, it's It's hilarious, but I feel it's just a little too slow. Well, even if you don't mill them out, you just get an Emrakul. Right, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, right? Yeah. I mean, he's playing Jace, too, so like, he's, he's, he's planning on casting a four-mana a four mana spell. Five probably Uh-oh. isn't too bad. No, that's the thing. He definitely has the mana base for it. He can cast it eventually. It's just a matter of whether the combo player combos him out before he gets up to it. Definitely, yeah, yeah. And 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 from watching the matches, it happened fairly quickly Ooh. that he could. And he just didn't have like the first game. Um, Josh landed Omnitel, and I think Shaheen just basically like scooped it up right from that. He even asked to like see what he was gonna what he was gonna wish for. Um, he just scooped it up from there, and then the second game kind of went the same way. But um, the other thing that I thought was sort of interesting in this top eight, at least from someone who's still very new to Legacy, um, was that there was no Miracles in the top eight. Now, granted, it did come in ninth, I believe, 
Um, I've been noticing Miracles has been falling out of favor in the local meta, and I wonder yep. if it's something more widespread than just us here locally. Yeah, I mean, I mean, well, BBD, BBD piloted it to ninth in the uh, in the open, but yeah, first was Omnitel, then Esper Stoneblade, Grixis Delver, Teamer Delver, uh, Storm Reanimator lands, and uh, Death and Taxes. Which Death and Taxes to me seems like it's sort of been moving up. Is that is that right, or is that just me? It's always kind of hovered around that area. There was a time right after Sneak and Show was the best deck where Death and Taxes became the best deck in the format. It won. It won the Bazaar of Moxin a couple years ago, um, and it was just in response to everyone was playing a, uh, Sneak Attack and Reanimator, because uh, I think Grizzlebrand was recent, not recently, but Grizzlebrand was still fresh in people's minds, we'll say, yeah. um, and Death and Taxes just dominates those decks because of the three Caracas main, and then just mm-hmm. the taxing effects. Yeah. So Death and Taxes has always been kind of a tier 1.5, sometimes tier 1 deck, depending on how the meta shifts. And um and just as an aside, uh, Dylan Donegan isn't he? He came in third, running Grixis Delver. Isn't he like super young? He's like eighteen or nineteen years old. Uh, maybe I didn't get a chance to view, watch any of the stream. Yeah, I think I think that's him. Anyway, if that's him, uh, good on him, man, for just being a phenomenal player at such a young age. It's, that's so cool to see. I love seeing like even kids at TE who are playing and like just proficient in what they're doing, or at, at the very least interested in learning and actively learning the game. I think is just awesome. It makes me very happy to see. Their magic's future. Absolutely. <laughs> it's certainly not us old guys. That's for sure. we're just we're just the get off my lawn the get off my lawn type, you know. Yeah, our clogged arteries will be gone in a couple of years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, did you did you say you were going to Eternal Weekend, Jerry? I know we had talked about it a little bit before. I am. I'm pretty excited. Hotel is booked. I was talking to uh, the one and only Franqui, uh, brother to the north. <laughs> uh, he's going down, so hopefully I can meet up with him uh, down in uh, Philadelphia, which I'm pumped because it's actually in Philadelphia proper. It's not like GP Philly, and it's actually in like Sacramento. <laughs> uh, it's you know it's actually in the city that it's advertised in, so I'm pretty pumped being able to see the sights in Philly too. That is sweet. I actually had some really good friends. Um, that I know from another podcast, they offered to put me up for the event. They're like, oh, they live in New Jersey, which is like 20, 25 minutes away from where the, the site is. But uh, I just I just can't make it work going down that weekend, just with funds being a little bit tight right now. So sadly, I will not be able to join you, Jerry, but I'm with you in spirit, my friend. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a good time, um, though I'm already looking forward, and I didn't even wasn't even planning on going, but I'm already thinking about the next major legacy event on the calendar, which is GP Seattle, because did you guys yeah. see the playmat for it? Oh man, that is one thing I wanted to talk about. Actually, it's funny <laughs> because it's it's GP Seattle Tacoma, which I assume means it's in Tacoma and not actually in <laughs> yeah, Seattle. Yeah, exactly what I'm saying. Exactly what I'm saying. It's like, it's like how GP Boston was in Worcester. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it's GP Boston, aka forty miles west. <laughs> but um, yeah, the playmat it looks awesome, and you know me, I don't get excited for playmats. The last playmat I got a hard on for was that Bolt playmat, which I did not win, sadly. Um, but the uh, the oh, yeah, Delver playmat looks freaking sick. Yeah, I saw I saw the little picture of it earlier, and yeah. and uh, I didn't know. Is it, that's for the that's for the legacy one, Jerry? Yeah. Well, what's cool? It's the, just the double sided. It's such a a concept that seems so obvious, and I'm surprised no one's thought of it before. But uh, it's it's uh, I just really want it. I want it bad. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, man. Me too. If we have any friends going there, um, I would be interested in buying it from them because it looks awesome. 
looks super cool. What the fuck is the tap dancing on the keyboard? <laughs> Research. <laughs> I want that silver man. <laughs> he made that shit now. Have you seen the um, <laughs> Have you seen the SCG, SCG take on the Delver playmat? It's yeah. not two sided, but but it's the Delver of Squeakrits. Have you oh, seen yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Like, yeah, it's from like their creature collection. It's like a mouse holding a wheel, holding like a slice of cheese. It's not a it's not a huge deal. The only thing that makes me curious about it, I mean, this I guess I got two fucking. <laughs> what the hell's about this playmat really and like the okay the first is like you know the playmats are like mouse pad material so they kind of <laughs> stick to the table so now does it just not t- stick to the table which is not a big deal but usually I put my playmat down because the table's full of like fucking shit on it like <laughs> somebody ate a pizza or something so now I'm putting like the artwork face down on it and the other thing that I'm actually curious about is when somebody flips that Delver are they gonna pick up their fucking deck and flip the playmat I am gonna <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And when and when they when they bolt my Delver, I will sadly flip it back over. Because <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been worried about time anyway. <laughs> I actually hope they bring back the flip mechanic in the future because I felt it was a really good correction to the the turn cards from Camp Kamigawa. Do you remember those stupid cards that well, they, well, they, they just were? They just did the flip planeswalkers in Origins, right? Yeah, I mean, there's the flip planeswalkers, but I was thinking more of a uh, creature based. I mean, I, I definitely like the planeswalkers because <laughs> they're, got, they're willing they got, to experiment with it, which I like. They got flip creatures, flip planeswalkers, flip playmats. Jerry wants flip tables. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I do. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, that's great. That's great. They do look like little interesting fucking sleeves, but I wonder if it's the same. Um, what the hell are the? What are those other fucking sleeves? That, like the Grizzle Brand sleeves that I had. That were. I like the artwork, but they shuffled like shit. Oh really? Yeah. I, I'm not uh, a big fan of artwork on sleeves. I found that like I I got them when I first came back, and I felt like they wore out pretty quickly. And they were like high quality sleeves, but I don't know. I mean, they were sweet, but I just I think I'm gonna stay away from that stuff. I like I just like my I like my KMCs. They seem to work well for me. Now the yeah. flip playmat looks cute. Yeah. It's just I'm still I don't know. I'm, I'm, the sleeves got to be some... ultra pro, right? Maybe they have, I'm, they I'm have match guard on them, so they must be ultra pro. Oh, is that how it goes? Yeah, ultra pro has a has exclusive rights to all magic art until the end of time. That's huh. why that's why like SCG won't print any like official magic art on their playmats. Oh. Anytime you go to an SCG open, it's like it's like their own play like like I, I have see. a I have a I top eighted an SCG event um in like November of last year playing standard and um the like the artwork they had for the top eight playmats was like dragon themed but it wasn't actually official artwork from like a wizard's card it was just their own artwork. Sure. Yeah. Huh. Never did, I never realized that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, I did not know it. So, did Ultra Pro like negotiate a perpetual contract with Wizards? Or if is I'm just... not, so if I'm not mistaken, the story behind that is basically um, uh, when Wizards first started having stuff like that done, Ultra Pro got the rights to it. And my understanding of that is that Wizards didn't have like weren't like lawyered up properly, and basically Ultra Pro just got the rights. Um, until I, I think until they rel- relinquish them, I don't think there's any set timeline on it. Um, I could probably look it up and find the details. <laughs> yeah, that's 
That's funny. At work the other day, we were talking about uh, companies that basically signed in perpetuum clauses, which is basically a forever contract, and just how it either worked out or was terrible. And one of the examples that I thought was hilarious was the NBA. Um, Because back in the 70s, when the NBA was first getting started, um, there there was that Will Ferrell movie about it. It was like Tropical Storm. Trying to get oh, no, no, semi-pro. That was semi-pro. Semi-pro, that's what it is. Semi-pro. semi-pro. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I got... Oh, it's because the basketball team was named the Tropics, that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tangent. <laughs> Anyways. They were, like the, they were like the the Flint, Michigan Tropics, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So apparently that actually happened where uh, back in the 70s, this team was going to get kicked out of the NBA, but they had to sign over the rights to it, and the NBA was just getting started. And so the team negotiated. It's like, okay, we'll sign over the rights. You guys can form the NBA, and we won't be a team in it. But we want like 0.5% of all advertising revenue from now until forever. <laughs> and the NBA was like 0.5 percent, sure. What like that's only a couple thousand dollars this year, whatever. And then it turned into being like millions and millions of dollars every single year <laughs> until I finally, I think it was in like the the early 2000s when the NBA just negotiated with them. All right, guys, this enough is enough. Let us just buy you out. Here's a lump sum. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Hey, um, uh, Adrian, I wanted to ask you because we haven't talked about it on the cast in a bit. Um, the state of the fun. You have to, you have to, you have to take like both fingers and tickle. <laughs> oh, oh, that's the, not the, the question. The, the, that the, was, the other motion, right? Isn't that what? Oh, was it? That wasn't the question. <laughs> Never mind. Sorry. <laughs> I told you, you get your butthole picture later. <laughs> um, no, I wanted to ask you about the state of the fundraiser. Like, do you, you have a second to talk about that? Yeah, the state of the union. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was, I know that we've we've raised a bit of money. Like, I have more commons to bring down a G two. I'm, I'm uh, staring at a box of 10,000 commons from uh, local player Mike. That's so, thanks to him. That is so awesome. Thank you to Mike. Um, yeah, I was just curious where we're at, like, dollar-wise. I know you've already made a few contributions, right? You did one to MTG, MTG Cast. You did one to the Wounded Warrior Project. Yep. Our Angel of Jubilation playmat winners are Ara, Jared, and Ian. Uh, Braden is going to walk away with the Click playmat. Conrad and Kyle both picked up the Dark Confidant playmat. And John Kerman got the brainstorm package. That's so cool. What a what a nice like we've had such good people come up and like just support this for really and, and like some people are just asking for nothing in return. It's just awesome, man. It's for them. It's not about the prizes. It's just like it's no, it's like a it, win win, right? It's like it's been a, it's these, been a really it's been a really cool way to actually find character in people. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hey, so thank you to everyone who listens, who has donated, and even you know thank you to people who just listen and haven't donated like. It's just awesome to have people listening to this cast. And, and All right, uh, I have a question for you guys. It's a little, yeah. a little bit of, like more on topic, but kind of also a little bit more uh, uh, personalized. What's your like all-time favorite card in Magic? Like, not necessarily, maybe not your favorite card to cast, but like your favorite card to own, and maybe like has the most nostalgia for you. It's it's got to be a toss-up between Lord of the Pit and Grizzlebrand for me. Really? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to love Lord of the Pit when I was a kid. Yeah, and probably second would have been Wheel of Fortune. Really? Like, yeah. Um, nowadays, probably Grizzlebrand. Um, maybe followed by Lion's Eye Diamond. Mm-hmm. But that's that's after like mana base considered. Yep. Yeah. 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 Of course. Um, but yeah, I'd say I'd say most iconic favorite card. It's got to be Lord of the Pit followed by Grizzlebrand. Nice. What about you, Jerry? Stasis. <laughs> 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 oh, 
That just gives me a snapshot of the kind of person you are, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And uh, stasis. Stasis it is. <laughs> uh, that that card is like some of the most unusual magic art I've ever seen. Yeah. Just it like, is. like God. It looks like a little kid cut up construction paper. Yeah, it's like it's like a Picasso, but like I don't know why it's on a magic card. It doesn't make any sense. Because it's 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 stasis, man. Sure. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Of course. Uh, uh, such a, such an awesome card. That's funny. <laughs> See, like I because I because I played for like Fast and Furious for a couple of years and then didn't like ever pick it up again for you know for like I don't know like ten or eleven years all like my memories of like my early cards just aren't really there anymore so like I don't feel like really endeared to any of my any of my older collection you know what I mean like even flipping through it I'm just kind of like eh, it is what it is like I, don't, I wasn't really too enthralled with anything like I don't know G- for me Gators like Legion Force of Nature kind of lost their flavor Force of Nature yeah. is actually still cool I actually still I think I still have my copy of Force of Nature from maybe it's like surprised, <laughs> which I thought yeah. was really neat I thought it was so cool I like put it in like a hard plastic sleeve and like threw it in, in my shoebox that I kept all mm-hmm. my cards in um yeah, World Spine Worm's just better than that now. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of <laughs> like, there's no no downside. Fifteen, yeah. fifteen, all upside. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I guess now my favorite thing to cast is pro- well, recently like my favorite thing to cast was just Charging Badger, and I told you guys about that deck that I ran in standard for a little bit. Like, it's a little one-one Badger with Trample. It's like for mm-hmm. a single green, and I just had a whole deck based around like beating people down with Charging Badger, and so that mm-hmm. for me is like probably my favorite to cast because people would look at it and laugh and then they would they would they would be a little salty when I killed it with like a 1919 <laughs> <laughs> they, they would look at it and laugh then die to it and cry yeah it was pretty Honey funny Badger like, don't give a fuck <laughs> <laughs> like I wanted to get them altered so that it said Honey Badger on the, on the, the creature line <laughs> but yeah that was probably like my favorite thing like yeah, and like definitely like the big fatties when I was a kid. Like I remember Force Nature being one of the ones I liked, but I never actually played with the card. I just owned it. You know what I mean? Mm. Oh, I always used to love Lord of the Pit with a Breeding Pit deck. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you were a lot more like I, I, the decks I made when I was a kid were just really bad, and so I stuck to like the pre-constructed decks. And maybe that's why I never had like a pet card as a kid because I would just buy the pre-con deck and play oh. it, and then like swap cards out as I felt fit and it was always worse afterwards but sure okay yeah i could see that so yeah when i was when i was younger and started playing it was like two decks that i'd really and this was back fallen empires mm-hmm. so like i would play lord of the pit with breeding pits and all the thralls and the thrall champions and that was fun or i would play merfolk yeah and like back then it was there was only lord of the lord of atlantis and and uh what the hell were the fucking one ones merfolk of the pearl trident there was no silver gill adept curse catcher it was just it was just get a shitload of a shitload of merfolk, and I think trying to find one of these like island fish jockle hops or some fucking thing. I forget what it was called. It was like some eight eight leviathan that you had to <laughs> sacrifice four islands or some yeah. stupid shit. <laughs> so like the first time I actually started playing Legacy years later, and somebody tapped an ether vial and put in a lord, I'm like, oh shit, that's legal. <laughs> like <laughs> it was fucked up. It was kind of a flashback to when I was a kid, only much better. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the shit that Grizzlebrain could do that didn't require O one thrall tokens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's pretty fucking... He's not dealing seven to me? If he does, I get to draw cards? That's sick. <laughs> <laughs> got, uh, got anything else uh, for tonight? No? No? <laughs> yeah, you guys want to do scoops? Are we doing scoops now? <laughs> yeah. Is that where we're at? All right, scoops in the top eight. Let's see. Uh... Yeah, so I want to scoop in a top eight uh, Celso for loaning me Metalworker. Um, and Celso and John Kerman for going up to the Brazilian Steakhouse. And Jared for bringing Commons down. And 
got no way to get in contact with him. So hopefully, I know he doesn't have Twitter, he doesn't have Facebook. Hopefully he has an email address and he can email the cast at leaving a legacy, <clears throat> leaving a legacy mtg at gmail dot com, and that way we can get in contact with him over uh, any information. Should he happen to win a playmat? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and also, uh, yeah, really scooping a top eight to all fucking uh, scooping a top eight one to each of the eight guys that have helped with this fucking fundraiser <laughs> drive that like raised fucking so far over three hundred bucks, which yeah. is um, which is sick. That's and cool. how about Jerry? Jerry, uh, I'm just scooping everyone who donated to the charity drive. It's been an awesome effort on all parts, and it's definitely appreciated. Other than that, just scooping you guys. Showing up every week. Always a pleasure. And uh, oh, that's, that's all I got. Was that a dig? <laughs> was that a dig? Uh, oh, no, I didn't even mean that. <laughs> oh, I was actually being sincere there. I didn't even mean that. <laughs> Showing up almost every week. No, says, no, the guy was... who likes, says the guy who likes stasis, you jerk. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was literally me just like, oh, I don't know who to scoop in this week, so I'm going to go with the easy way out. <laughs> Sun shines for the world. Yep. <laughs> I guess that leaves me. All right. So uh, I have a couple. Um, first, I want to scoop in uh, that's entertainment in Worcester. Um, I just want to. I'm thankful that they they give us a a safe environment to play in. Um, it's always a great tournament there. The people there are great. Um, uh, the judge there, Nate. Yeah, he's he's always a, I awesome. A, I have a question. Sure. Yeah, well, you just referenced it as a safe environment to play in, and I'm curious, where do you go that's got gunfights and fucking knife fights at the not day? not safe not, <laughs> not safe as in like physically safe. I mean, safe as in um, like all people are welcome there. I've never seen like someone play there who gets like flack for being a kid or flack for being a, a woman or you know what I mean, anything like that where people are kind of hate oh, out. Okay, you just you know mean, mean like kind of socially accepting. Yeah, exactly. It's a very welcoming place to go play. So like if you're new to Legacy and you're in like the Massachusetts area, T is a great place to like go out there and try it. And well, that's even, just because that's just because Jerry's there. <laughs> I mean, well, it's a great place because like Jerry's there. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So thank 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 <laughs> thank you. That's entertainment. Um, I I think I think by playing at your local game shops and shopping from them and buying stuff from them when you can, it helps them out, helps them stay in business, and it's it's good for building the community. So. Um, get out there to your local shops, and I just want to say thank you to TE. Um, also wanted to say, uh, give a, a scoop into top eight to Chris Chichi. Um, he's on the uh, the Facebook group, and he did reach out to me because um, he, he heard that I was talking about uh, doing some playtesting with Blue Red Delver, and he had uh, offered some, we'll call it alternative ways to playtest online um, while I was getting my collection uh, through uh, Magic Online. So thanks for him. Um, I really appreciate it. You reaching out and, uh, and trying to help me out with that. And then um, finally, I wanted to scoop in a top eight Tony and G two Games uh, for continue yeah. to for you know everyone who's sending us cards is is super awesome and we're very thankful and fortunate to have such great people uh, working alongside us. And then Tony is like the other end of that equation, right? Like he is the one who is buying up all these cards for us, giving us a really I mean a great rate for for both commons and uncommons, he's given us yeah. a fantastic rate. Um, so if, any, if anybody also gets the chance, do you know his eBay handle? Um, yeah, I'll, get, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, and um, I will also put a link to his Facebook page. How are you going to put it in the show notes? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I already did. This is the already. illusion of radio, man. Everyone knows you're doing it, but I'm just going to say it. I already, I already put him in the show notes. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thanks, Jerry, for taking care of that. Yeah, um, okay. I, but something I will do immediately is uh, I'll link to his. He has a Facebook page. I'll put it on our on our um, our group page. Yeah. Um, so if anybody wants to help, him. if anybody wants to help him, who's been helping us? Yeah, he's 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 awesome, and like yeah. he he's um he he just runs he runs a straight shop, man. He's great. Um, and in in the same vein, uh, you know, you can find us on Facebook. If you don't if you don't know where we are, search Believe in Legacy. Join the group. Is always great. Oh, check, there. Oh, check episode forty one. I think I put the link in the show notes. Sure, there it is. Go go in the back catalog. Go to forty one. Search for uh, Leaving a Legacy on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. Um, come out and talk to us, man. We love talking about Legacy. Uh, that's all I got. Shout out to Heavy Better Midget and his one redeeming quality of Magic Online of his oh, weekly Legacy tournament for free. I'm playing in it right now, and it is True Name Nemesis with a Batter Skull and Jit versus True Name Nemesis with a Batter Skull and Jit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! For the last ten minutes, we've been just trading back and forth, <laughs> and I'm about to time out. I have this strange feeling that the only thing fully interesting about that, like, like actually compelling. Is that Moto seems to be working? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, I just timed out because I'm multitasking, and that, kids, is why if you care about something, you should give it its full attention. <laughs> so let's get to the meat and the bones of this podcast now. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna dream. I'm gonna dream crush heavy metal midget actually. Why? Because he gives me shit on on Twitter all the time about Tom Brady and the Patriots. And it, <laughs> <laughs> It, it's all good fun. He's he's very he's very uh uh he, it's very playful with him. So no, he's a he's a great guy. I like talking to him. But I'm just gonna dream crush him metaphorically just for shit. You know. We should uh, we should have him on again so he can trash talk Pat in person about the Patriots. <laughs> I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. You know, I'm actually I was I was tempted to see if we could get Medina on again. Oh yeah, I was talking to Medina on uh, Twitter the other day. Uh, we were talking about like Amazon book prices and how. Oh yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we should get him on the cast again. Yeah, I was actually talking about him to come back on. Yeah, I don't think nobody's heard his voice in a while. Yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll shoot him a message. Uh, it's gonna be pretty packed coming up with uh, SCG Philly, or not Philly? SCG, no, actually in Philly, but not SCG. Blah. <laughs> Why is it packed? What are you talking about? I'm just talking about my uh, personals. Well, just as far as uh, content-wise, because I'm probably going to be missing one of the ones coming up because I'm going to be in Philly. Okay. Actually, that might be a cool time to actually grab Medina. Yeah. Maybe Fine. Me and Peck and grab Medina. You know what actually... Fine, I don't need fucking... to be there. Whatever. <laughs> you know, you know what would be really fucking cool, though, is actually... I, I thought about that earlier, was the sound of getting Medina and Frankie on the same call. Oh, yeah. Why don't we do that? Have Medina... Because I, I haven't heard... I I don't I haven't heard them together since Crazy Talk. Yeah, let's bring them both on. With that, I bid you fellas adieu. All right, man. Uh, uh, all right. Anyway, guys. All right, so good night, um, gentlemen. I have to run. So everybody have a lovely when, uh, Monday. Says Jerry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Enjoy your Monday. Four years ago, nine all alone, trapped in my mind. Solitary and confined to pay for time, I'll line with mine. Loneliness, just hunger, pain, fighting not to go insane. Losing weight and watching the weight of day I'll sleep the same. Never gave in to despair, giving up when life's unfair. Caring for beyond compare, now a real man standing there. Tax of 52, I'm adding four more jokers, four more kings. Never ever stop designing cards and decks and magic things. Four years later, I rotated back. Four years since I cracked my last piece of pack. Spent the next year, made my man a rain. Ready to become 
Who's most likely up to one? After game three, he molds to four. Insanity, single place for the French. He developed our mana when we break for the storm to come in. Praise Lotus, Clark's on play. Two turns before I know he's going off. Suspend bolt chase. Cat knows it's time, and so he's faced through the storm. Says go please. Time to test my expertise. Rift bolt, hard fire, you know case. Right up when they trap got base. Five copies and night memories. You know his cards in the short run. They turned out five, two, and one. With only nine life, damn look done. If he hits the night, memories I won. On top of that, he had to hit the grave shot. Not more than three times, not a great spot. This was a match that we never forgot. This day, this form, this place, this storm. I'm